Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the Road with Podcast. I'm your host Conor O'Neill, joined today by Dad Buckland and Ian Crowell. Joe Thomas, Chris Beasley, Matt Jones and Paul Wheelock are all unavailable for selection as we head into the international break. But fear not, the lads are here to discuss a, maybe not memorable, but I think a seismic victory for Everton at the weekend as they claim their first win on home soil this season, beating Bournemouth 3-0. Goals from James Garner, Jack Harrison and Abdelaide Corre completing the route as Everton finally got three points on the board at Goodison Park. Gav, I'll start with you. I think the first point to start is, do you need to stay with Goodison more often? Yeah, yeah, I was at a family family wedding on, on, on Saturday and um, suffice to say, I had many messages on Saturday evening from my Everton support mate to say, keep away. <laughs> and the opposite, of course, I had a couple of messages from me Liverpool support mate said, get back to Goodison as soon as possible. So, yeah, so, uh, but at that, you know, in this modern age, you can still form a view kind because that many sort of highlight packages and reports and stuff and, and by all accounts from what I've seen and what, what I've read um, it was an impressive performance against shall we say a team that was you know below par being kindly and it would said on Friday and things just said before we come on come on here is it's a big thing isn't it three wins out of four rather than Two consecutive defeats going into five on the bounce at yeah, home, yeah. which obviously would have been the narrative. So it felt like a pivotal game in our season, and to win that and win well, hopefully it's a is a you know a taste of things to come. Really, Ian, you were also at Goodison Park on Saturday, obviously in the Gladys Street, not the press box where I was sat. Three points, three goals, and a, a rather enjoyable afternoon. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I was present after missing the Luton game, so I've obviously got that in. Dodge one head again. The balance right, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but yeah I, I genuinely, I, I thought we'd be, uh, win the Luton game. Uh, obviously, we didn't, but I thought we'd beat Bournemouth as well. So much so, I put them on in my the, in the bet. But uh, 3-0, can't complain. First, well, first time we scored more than one goal at Goodison in, in round about 12 months, something like that. So, um, yeah, I think I was touching on it. I think Bournemouth, they definitely were below par. I think they were... A lot poorer compared to the last time we played yeah. them when it was the last game survival, um, and we we beat them one 0 with the goal from the the core. Uh, but I don't, you know I don't want to take anything away from from Everton and certainly individual performances. I think we thoroughly deserved that three points um, against the team we were obviously going to be com- competing against. You know, in hopefully not a relegation battle, but certainly down that end of mm. the table. Um, individual individual performances, James Garner. They'll doubt Dominic Carver-Lewin didn't didn't score, but he was he was standout again. Um, Brant Waite was was fantastic. McNeil and Aitna Harrison obviously uh, scored a fantastic goal. Um, one that is going to be in the highlight reel, I'm sure, if he scores a lot more for for Everton. So it's just a shame. I think we we're just talking about that you know that the international break has come now because I think form-wise, I think despite the the defeat to Luton, um, you know we would probably say we're we're in good form certainly. From uh, yeah. the Villa, the Brentford game as well. So, obviously, a break, you know, might be able to get one or two injury players back and see where we go from there because we know what's up next, don't we? Obviously, we, you know, we'll come on to the game itself soon. But I think the big talking point, or one of the big talking points from Saturday, was what happened at two o'clock when team news dropped. And obviously, Amadou Narano was the man sacrificed to drop out in place of Jack Harrison. And yeah. then over 45 minutes later, news starts to spread that Onara's back in the team because of just a guy. It's yeah. picked up an injury. Gav, sometimes fate has a funny way of working. Yeah, I mean, it was why and I was well, not in the team. Dice emphatically it's, shut them down when, when, when was asked after the game. Yeah, and and you could you could you can see why 
when you looked at the Luton game, why you'd probably play Garner Gaines instead of mm. having Arne, because I think you said that. Before, I thought they missed him when he missed went for half time, yeah. Half. So you can, you can see from the Luton game why, why you'd do that, to be honest with you. So in some respects, if you're going to put Garner in, as in James Garner, having Garner guy there made sense. I haven't, I haven't seen the Luton match. And yeah, these things happen, don't they? And I I, I think Anana, when we know what it's like, I said last week, that when we play badly, he tends to play well. And when mm. we, we play badly, he tends to play badly. And he, and he came in, and I think maybe second half he improved as the game went on from, from what I've seen. Sometimes that's a, it's just a twist of fate at the battle. I think the important thing that was getting James Garner in the middle. That's, a, you know, that old adage of, get, you know, put your best players in the best positions. And he is, a, you know, said before, he knows how to play football, that lad. And I think um, that was probably one of the main, you know, that was the main reason why it worked, really. Um, and, but as you say, Anana came in and, and he did okay second half, I think, probably. But it's the odd twist of fate here and, here and there. And that can be awkward, can't you, when you're not expecting to play? Mm. You know, just coming in, you, there's a sight, there's a, you know, you, the psychology, isn't it? At the same time, if he has dropped, has been dropped because, you know, Dice said he's been underperforming, it's got to be a chance there, motivation there to send a reminder, really. So, yeah, there's one. one when, when, when it's going for you, that's what happens, isn't it, sometimes? In terms of O'Reilly, because I think Gav's touched on it there in, in terms of, you know, the confidence type play, but I thought that was evidence as ever we've ever seen it on Saturday because I thought 10, 15 minutes, the first 10, 15 minutes, he wasn't great. Now, whether that was because he perhaps had a bit of a problem because he hadn't been initially started and he'd been fussed in late on, but he did seem to be like the more freedom and confidence Everett played with in the second half. He got better and we started to see flashes of the play that I think we all know Onar is capable of being, it's whether he can produce that type of performance on a regular basis and on a consistent basis. Yeah, I think to, to, to say maybe he's been poor, he, he definitely has been poor, but I think he's probably been hit and miss. Yeah. I think I think mm-hmm. probably that's the that's the phrase to use, and it, that's been disappointing because you, the expectation of of this player is is so high, and for for the games that he has been poor in, it's obviously contributed to Everton's downfall and, and mm-hmm. loss of points. I think. You know, to go back to a bit of a cliche, sometimes it might be better to be a lucky manager because Dice has kind of stumbled on this midfield now a little bit. Um, you know, he's tried to thrust James Garner in the team, not in that centre midfield position. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's played that wide, you know, sometimes he's played in very different positions. But for me, it's clear now that he is a centre midfielder and that's where he needs to play. And to be honest, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. I think back to Ognana, I think. That balance there now, that that is the team, and that is the the way going forward. Where the guy can get himself back in the team, I don't know. But for me, you know, the the core eight and Anna and and James Garner are the, are the three that that should be there. We know injury yeah, suspensions yeah. are going to contribute, but they should not change that team now. Certainly that midfield, anyway. What do you think? I've long thought that James Garner should be in midfield, and I, for me, there was always something with Garner. Obviously, when he come in, there was a lot of United fans who were disappointed they'd been sold. Yeah. But I remember speaking to James Tarkovsky after they drew Emdrew Nuller with Fulham last season at Craven Cottage. And he wasn't asked about James Garner, but James Garner come on quite late and he just went his way back yeah. to fitness. And he just went, went into one about James Garner, about how technically good he was, yeah. how how you know he, he's a great lad to have around the place, but you know, he's got real technical ability. And that always stood out for me, that, because I thought he's clearly made a lasting impression here on, on his teammates and yeah. he's clearly got something about him that has caught his teammates. Because like, James Tarkovsky wasn't prompted to talk about James Garner, no. he just brought him into the conversation. I think on Saturday, it was a case of he had to put him into that midfield because I think he'd done so well 
yeah, yeah. that he's deserved the chance to prove that he should be playing there every week. And he, and he, he took that. I mean, the, the pressing, for instance, I think, you know, the, the pressing summed it up in the sense of he was aggressive and he, he, he squeeze, helps um, squeeze up the pitch. And obviously the first goal comes as a result of he presses high. Okay, the lad slips. That's, but that's, but we're still in a position to take, take the yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, when he was bearing down on goal, I was actually thinking to myself, just shoot, don't pass. Because he had two options to pass, yeah. I thought. And I think maybe that is a difference, I thought, a little bit as well, because I think maybe in time gone by, he perhaps wouldn't have had the confidence to shoot. Yeah. He was uh, he would have maybe looked to pass the ball and, and, and you know look for someone else. But I think the confidence he's clearly playing with now is evident. And I think he's got to be, like Ian says now, a mainstay in that midfield. So who would you play with him, Anana or Garnagay? Well, I'd stick, what Ian said, and stick with the three now moving forward. It, it, for me, it's got to yeah. be Anana, just purely from the fact that with Anana and Guy in that midfield, they're kind of doing the same job. And we don't we don't necessarily need that. I think Garner has proved I, it, that pushing him up further forward, it's given Anara even that a bit more freedom. But he's the one he would, would stick. I know he got further up the pitch a little bit, but he had he had that chance, didn't he, just before half time that he missed. But that, I think that was from a, a set piece from a corner. So he's one of the tallest. He's obviously gonna go up there, he's obviously gonna be in the mix. But you don't need two two midfielders doing the same job. I think that would put the emphasis on the opposition there to, to come at us. We've got obviously the core, you know, the powerhouse who's kind of playing behind Dominic Carver Lewin. Having Garner up there with a bit of freedom and obviously it proved it with the, with the goal that he scored. He was he was there pressing for when Bournemouth made that mistake. Yeah, he's the best passer of the ball, isn't he? Out of the three. He's got the most technical yeah, ability, yeah, hasn't yeah. he? Well. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. it, that's it. And it was said before about the balance in midfield. There's that we've not really had the balance in midfield and we had Garner and Arna. Because as you say, there's Garner and Anana sort of overlap, I think. Um, but but James Garner there, you know, he has got a lot more technical ability and he can pass the ball. And he's got like two goals in two goals in three games, is it? Yeah. Mm. Well, and I think it helped the core chances. Yeah, yeah. It, it certainly helped the core on on Saturday, without a doubt. Yeah. He looked a lot more like he can maraud forward and power forward, but he looked even more dangerous. I thought the core. I think the big thing as well with, with James Garner, it comes back to that technical ability of. I think we've all spoke quite openly haven't we, about you know Everton needs to want to create and put the foot on the ball and, and while you know James Garner probably not a, as good on the eyes with Hammers Rodriguez was for instance in that no. bit of a flair number ten, I think he is one of the only people Everton have got who can put his foot on the ball though, and, and retain possession and, and look to play forward a bit of purpose and, and a bit of energy you know and when you think of this season I think well in recent time Everton kind of one of them course once it gets to the final third it just all breaks down yeah, because they haven't yeah. had the four they haven't had someone put the ball. It kind of felt on Saturday there was a bit of balance there and a bit of kind of that ability that smart that been announced to be able to say no I can I'll go sideways now or I'll go yeah. I'll go back and I think as well you know you've got to give James Carter credit because it's obviously been an incredibly tough time for him. Do you think of when he came in last season he got injured he he wasn't fit then he got back fit then he had a bad back injury and was out for yeah. a lot longer than what was first expected. He come back in and he come off the bench against Tottenham look like he's going to be playing in the field and then all of a sudden you know he finds himself on the last day against Bournemouth in a, a game that club got a win to stay in the Premier League at right back oh, yes. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. And, and produced a, a really good performance the week before at Wolves he was at right wing back then goes yeah. away in the summer and plays right wing back for England yeah. comes back in and even when he comes back you know probably full of confidence still I don't think was really in Sean Dyche's first 11 thinking I think Sean Dyche clearly wanted to go with Garner Onar and, and Decore but I think it says what Ian says Stick with that three, although I would do that. Speaking to Sean Dyche afterwards, he did say something that made me think for Liverpool, not looking too far ahead, but for Liverpool, if Garner 
Gay is back fit, he will play because he referenced his experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, don't yeah. know whether maybe going to Anfield, Sean Dash will think we need a few old heads in there, you, you know. Yeah, well, this is one of the things we've said about like on the pod is like they, 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 we've got a lot of older players and a lot of young players. Mm. If you think about it, Anana and Garner are both what, 21, 22? Yeah. I mean, they've probably played, I don't know, 50 Premier League games between them in centre midfield. That's not a lot of experience mm. there, is it? Mm. You know, asking play, two players with that. You know that small number of games. Um, I'll be very disappointed to play. You know, but that's why. Sorry, that's why I go. That's why it makes sense to go with Garner Gay as more experienced options from games. You know, so I, yeah. No, I'd be, I'd be very disappointed if he, if you know those three were fit, and he and he changed yeah. that against Liverpool. I think there's been times this season where Dyche has changed the team, and it's been a little bit detrimental. And he's changed the team basically because he's thinking more about the opposition rather than yeah. than our qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I'm not being. This is sounds like I'm being critical and not giving Dice enough credit, but he, he kind of has stumbled on this a little bit. So if he, if he thinks now in the future, well, I'm going to change this or I'm going to bring Guy back in, I'm not saying Guy's not not good enough or whatever. But that was the most complete, balanced Everton midfield performance, regardless of the opposition that I've seen in a, not just yeah. this season in a long time. Um, so I'll be disappointed if he changes that for the I mean, We saw about the opposition. Obviously, everyone's been quite vocal. I think in how poor Bournemouth were. Where's my granddad to say? Can we be what's in front of you? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know, that says a lot, doesn't he? He was saying about last week. Oh, oh cliches, oh, cliches. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he is a man of 70 plus years. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think in terms of balance, gents, I think obviously Jack Harrison coming in, he was someone the club recruited in the summer from Legion Ice on loan. I thought it was a really good sign at the time. Obviously, he's only just come back into the, the fray or come into the fray because yeah. he's obviously had a hip injury. But I think when we talk about balance in midfield and the whole, I think him and McNeil out wide offer that perfect balance now in terms of two natural wingers who both essentially do what Dyche wants his wingers to do, which is work hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And score goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great goal, that one. On, uh, on there's always something better about the goal that hits the cro- underside the crossbar and goes in. I yeah. don't know what it is, but it yeah, always looks better, yeah, doesn't it? It feels yeah. like, you know. And, um, yeah, and he says he's a, he's a, what did you say, a prototype, whatever, proto uh, Dyche. Dice player on, out wide and yeah, good signing on loan and I think it helps the balance. I mean, I think also as well, perhaps, you know, if you've got like somebody comes in from the left, what you want ideally is somebody to, you fall back then to fill the space, mm. don't you? I just wonder whether like Pat at some point, Patterson is at right back and mm. it'd fill mm. that space where young but he's a bit older. Perhaps he's a bit more limited but from what I've seen so far against uh, Luton, from what I've heard about Saturday's game, what I saw against Saturday's game, I think he, you know, that's going to, you know, be sort of, I wouldn't say nailed on there, but you can see that that's going to be his, you know, permanent fixture there, to be honest with you. I think the, I think the big thing with, with Jack Harrison, obviously, it was well known when he first signed in August that it was going to be around October when he was going to come back, and I think eyebrows were raised in the sense of, you know, Everton need plays for the now, you know, they, 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 they've got big games coming up, you know, they can't be writing four or five games off waiting for Jack Harrison to come. To, to get himself back fit, but I did think on Saturday that we perhaps saw why I haven't prepared to wait on Sean Dyche. Certainly, was prepared to wait, take him and wait for him to get fit because, like you know, Gav's touched on, he scored but he also created, and, and he was a constant threat. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you're right. It was you know when, when you you sign in a player, whether it's on loan or you know a permanent fixture, and they are injured for a couple of weeks, couple of months. Certainly, and we need the players in back then. You know, obviously Dice has looked at the bigger picture and thought he's, you know, he's not out for a sustained period of time, just a short period of time. 
obviously he's probably still not a hundred percent fit, but he, he's getting there. You know, he he certainly uh, played a long time. Um, did he? Come, I can't remember. Did he come off? Did he? he come off? Did he yeah, come about off, yeah, so, seventy odd minutes in. So obviously, you know, that's fair enough. He's, he's building up to that. I mean, a fantastic goal. Um, you know, we've got a Yorkshireman in the office who supports Leeds and actually raves about uh, about him. So I think it's it's all positive stuff. And I think you touched on it there, Connor, when you were asking the question to Gav. He he works hard, and that's probably something that Everton have missed certainly in the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, with Dan Juma probably taking that place, I think he probably has the qualities. But has he got enough in his locker to be to be working hard for the team off the ball? Yeah. You know, probably say at that at this moment in time, no, he's, he's he he hasn't shown that. Um, He's obviously missed a couple of chances, Dan Juma, so that's why he's come straight in, Jack Harrison, into the team when he when he's been available and fit and he's uh, you know, he's certainly proved his worth. I mean what what a fantastic goal. Absolutely amazing. We just said the underside of the bar makes it even more sweeter. Yeah. Um but his, his work rate is definitely gonna be a plus and that's why he probably is a dice player. Uh, and he he's helped out defensively as well as you know, on the attacking front as well. I think it's only right there that we point out that Yorkshireman is our manager as to Chris Walker. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Give him a shout-out. Nice shout-out for Chris there. But, one man who left Goodison Park, I think a little bit frustrated on Saturday, was Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Come into the game in the back of three straight, three goals in three yeah. games. A goal against the Cherries would have took him to the magic number 50 in the Premier League. Indeed. He rattled a crossbar, but went wide with a, a good chance in the second half. But, a really good afternoon's work for the forward. And I think when you think of when Beto was signed and there was question marks whether, you know, will Beto now be the, the man who leads the line for Everton and Calvert-Lewin's going to have to fight for his place. I think when you think of since Calvert-Lewin returned off the bench against Arsenal the start of September to where we are now, his performances, his goals, for me, I mean, he's the undisputed first choice forward at the club, Gav. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think your point was well made last week about that Beto looks a far better player when he starts mm-hmm. rather than when he... When he comes on a sub, uh, to be to be fair, um, yeah, I Calvert-Lewin, he's, he's looked good. I mean, I think I said that I'm not, you know, not not that I by, by any means like a massive Calvert-Lewin fan, but I then know last year and this year his, his all-round game has improved. You know, mm. he's improved a lot technically. I think I'm not sure last season what I've seen this season, uh, and he's he's you know he scored three in three three in consecutive games, hadn't he? So, yeah, and it's. I don't think I don't think it's the only factor, but certainly no coincidence that we've looked. Um, you know that mm. his three wins out of four is with Calvert Lewin in the team because he does that does add that a balance to him and that that target um, man up front. And you know it's just a case of keep, keeping him fit, isn't it now? And and it sort of helps that we have got an international break for a couple of weeks so we can have a bit of, a bit of a breather. And yeah, I, you know, and I say I think he's done he's done okay since he's he's come back into the team. I think also as well with Calvert-Lewin is I think his aerial ability obviously helps in terms of holding the ball up doesn't it for us and it gives us gives us something to aim for and, and run off and um, also you know having a couple of wide men also you can ping the, ping the crosses in as well is also you know also helps him as well so yeah no that's all, all good I think with Calvert-Lewin the big thing to be on Saturday with Calvert-Lewin he didn't get you know, his name on the score sheet and talking to James Garner after the game I asked him about Calvert-Lewin and you know, the impact he's had and stuff like that. And one thing he did say, he said, I think he's disappointed because he tried too hard to score because he wants to keep the run going and scoring goals. But it was all the other side of his game that really impressed me because he put himself about. He was he was a nuisance, but he pressed from the front. And, you know, he, he, there was a couple of times, maybe three or four opens, where he was at the heart of it in terms of he was coming short and getting the ball yeah. laying it off. So it was almost like the complete performance from Calvert-Lewin without getting his name on the score sheet. 
Yeah, I think there's obviously going to be a sense of frustration, certainly from him, that he, that he didn't score. He had a couple of chances. Yeah. Which what you want from me forward, though, isn't it? No, yeah, I think, but you, you're absolutely spot on. His overall performance there was the most thing, you know, that, that pleased me. I think that it is funny that since the Doncaster game, when Beto came on um, and scored a goal, I think we all assumed and thought, right, he's going to be the number one striker mm. because Carvalhoom kind of was still trying to get himself back in the team. But, you know, that fixture wasn't that long ago and it's already turned around that Carvalhoom is surely Everton's number one striker. Yeah. Um, I think, if anything, the person who looked more frustrated for me when he came on and didn't score was Beto. Mm. I think he's probably trying too hard. Um, he had one or two chances and, you know, they weren't clear cut, but obviously he didn't score. He was he was getting really annoyed with himself and, okay, with 3-0 up, you know, everyone's buzzing, you know, it's clear we're getting to get a first three points at home this season. I think, Carver, obviously, Carver-Lewin there is hopefully going to make Beto's, you know, adjustment to, to the Premier League if he stays fit a little bit more smoother. Yeah. If Carver-Lewin keeps performing, stays fit and keeps scoring goals, I think it'll come for Beto. But I think Carver-Lewin, I've, I've always liked Carver-Lewin. I don't think he's a he's a world-class striker. I don't think he's no. a, you know, a Harry Kane. But I'll tell you now, if Carver-Lewin was fit for the past 18 months, I don't think Everton would have been where they were in relegation mm-hmm. trouble if he was, he was banging and scoring goals. Yeah. in my opinion anyway do you think Gav as well because obviously we've spoken at length about this and it was probably the topic of conversation last season and the start of this season yeah. Sean Dyche coming for criticism I think from some supporters and perhaps he was wrapping Carl- Calvert-Loon and cotton wool and, and wouldn't but do you think now when we see these types of performances from Calvert-Loon where he clearly looks fit he's sharp he's putting himself about that we're reaping the rewards of Dyche perhaps saying no you're not 100% fit you still got a few weeks to go. Where's perhaps before? Because Calvin said this himself. Where yeah. he's basically when he hasn't been one hundred percent fit because he, he's felt like he's had no choice. Yeah, and there's there's been accusations that Calvin perhaps has some players when he should. Yeah, on the flip side, yeah. On the flip side of that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and the, but only time will tell. But we'll, won't we'll, we'll But he certainly looks fit as what he has done for it. You know, whatever the number of spells he's had over the last two years, he certainly he looks at the moment far yeah. fitter than what he has done. Uh, during that time and that perhaps is testimony to the way Dice has handled him and he's getting the reward it's just the thing is once he played five, six games since he come back into the team isn't it? Mm. you're looking for 20, 30 games mm. aren't you now isn't it to be able no, to play yeah. two games a week and so we'll only know over time but it is encouraging what what we've seen so far and it's always it's always good when he's scoring goals as well you know and, and, and your team's winning Never any injured players in the winning team, isn't it? You ever, you ever, you ever <laughs> notice, isn't it? You know, everybody wants to play. And also as well, going back to Ian's point, having competition for places also helps, doesn't it? I think, just, you know, I'm that, glad you said that yeah. then, because I think other managers, previous managers, haven't had the luxury of a battle yeah. to start. Mm, yeah, yes, absolutely. Come on. So I think obviously that's where it's kind of like Carbert-Lewin has not been 100% fit. Well, you're going to have to play because we know for a fact that the strikers that we've got at the t- in, the, in the squad yeah. just aren't going to cut it. Um Certainly, obviously, the games last season where we needed to win, he was kind of thrown in when he was fit. He didn't play against Bournemouth, did he? No. The last game. So he got injured at Wolves, didn't he, before? He missed that one, but I think, you know, it sounds like I'm I'm not being, you know, given dice is, is due. I, I think I am on that respect. I think he's definitely been managed better, Carver-Lewin, but I think he's had the luxury of being able to bring a, um, a better one or start a better when when he's been able to. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say that that was the point. The other point with that was making it like it's competition for places, so he's not yeah. really had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you think perhaps Calvert Lewin's had the biggest kick with the backside. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think as well, it's quite interesting because we talked about Calvert Lewin being thrust back into the action. 
it's quite interesting well, if you look at the trends around when he's come back perhaps when he's not been 100% fit it's when managers have been fighting to keep the job yeah. so you think of like when Rafa brought him back in um, was it around the December time Yeah. I think Brighton ends up playing the Brighton back was the first game back when we lost 3-2 because um, obviously Colbert impacted the game around that time but I don't think Calvert-Lewin was fit but Rafa was fighting to keep his job because the yeah. pressure was coming on and when you think of like Lampard last season when you know, Calvert-Lewin kind of emerged in the round Boxing Day into the new year you know, starts at Man City, starts to, uh, against Brighton. Lampard again was fighting to keep his yeah. job. So yeah. it's almost probably been a bit of a selfish aspect as well from Rafa yeah. and Frank in no, the I sense of, you know, my way to keep my job is get me our best players on the pitch and, you know, you, he, he's done for what we've got basically. So it's a little less. I know we're still, our league position's not great, but we're not necessarily in that place now, are we? We don't I think, think Sean's actually fighting yeah, to keep his job. Either, we, I mean, even I think we've got basically, yeah. we wouldn't have been able to suggest yeah. that. There was one massive pleasing aspect for Sean Dyche on Saturday, and he alludes to this himself. And it perhaps goes unnoticed, but talking to Michael Ball earlier for his Echo column this week, he could not speak of the importance from a psychological point of view, how big it is to keep a clean sheet and to keep your first yeah. clean sheet of the season. Obviously, a commander performance at the weekend, but towards the end, Jordan Pickford made two great saves. And, you know, there was Bournemouth attack perhaps when Everton took the foot off the gas. But for Everton to finish with a clean sheet, just made it that even more sweeter when you think of the stupid goals that they've conceded so far this season. Yeah, and that's uh, you know Brantwaite's coming in, coming as nearly he's looked excellent, hasn't he? Brantwaite, mm. I'm sure that helps, and I'm sure it helps Michalenko as well, doesn't it? Because mm. um, we established on Friday that Brantwaite is left footed, isn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah. There's been a debate, <laughs> and I do think Michalenko looks. I think that helps Michalenko. Um, I think a, a left-footed and right-footed central defensive partnership is always mm. is always ideal, um, and I think it's no coincidence that Michalenko probably I think he probably of all the, the defensive partners he's had at the back he's probably most comfortable with Brandt being being on, on on that side of the pitch and being and being left-footed, and I'm sure that's helped. And, um, and at the same time, Bournemouth in there they they don't scored five goals in you know eight games so. They're not going to stretch a, um, a better idea, I think, is after the derby. <laughs> um, but saying that, certainly with Brantwaite, he's against Arsenal. He played really well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't look, you know, I thought he'd be, he'd be really pressured there, but he, he, you know, he did well against Arsenal. But he, he, he's come back and I think he's made, he's coming in. It's like Carver-Lewin has made a big, a big difference. But from a mentality, though, point of view, you can keep a clean sheet. That'll be a huge confidence booster for like Jordan Pickford and, and James Starkovsky. You no doubt will have been disappointed at the, the manner in which they have conceded some of the goals they've conceded this season. No, yeah, absolutely. And one of the biggest, um, the biggest things I've been critical about Dice since he, since he's coming. I, I always thought that he was going to make us hard to beat, and we would concede less goals. And mm. you know, it's it's kind of been the opposite, really. Um, I know we've obviously we stayed up, and we're, you know, a couple of wins this season now. Um, so that that's been. My biggest disappointment with Dice, he's been the complete opposite of what type of manager I thought he thought he would be. I think at times we've been a little bit all over the place mm. defensively. Obviously, only last week we got beat by Luton, uh, two set pieces, wasn't it? Um, so that's disappointing in itself. But you can only you know take your next take your next game and get your next get your next three points, which is what we've done against Bournemouth. I think Brandt has been an absolute breath of fresh air. I think yeah. his obviously breakout season has come up, um, in the Dutch league. Um, PSV, they were desperate to to keep hold of him. I don't know how much they'd be willing to pay Everton, but 
at this moment in time, his valuation has probably gone through the roof. I'm sure there'll be, you know, some of the big teams looking at him now. He's obviously just signed a new contract, which is great. And, you know, I think the partnership between Tarkovsky and Brantwaite is working. I think you're right. Uh, Mikhailenko on that left-hand side probably looks a bit more stable yeah, now. Yeah. Um, I think I'd you know like to see him do a little bit more going forward on the on the attacking sense, just to help out um, you know the wingers with probably McNeil on that that side of things now. But you know if if Mikhailenko can can carry on doing that um, and and keeping the team, then great. I think obviously the right back position is the one that's that's probably up for grabs. Um, but they definitely look a lot more balanced. You know. You left you left you left foot player playing on the left rather than Ashley Young <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. I do think as well, and this is not again. I, I feel like I'm being critical of Dice, but he's kind of stumbled on this a little bit again. He got a little bit lucky. I think his hand was really forced under Michael Keane because that's how we started the season, wasn't it? It was yeah. Keane and Tarkovsky. I mean, Keane couldn't have got anywhere, so it was like, well, we're gonna have to throw, we're gonna have to throw Brantwaite in, and it, that's that's worked in kind of in spite of what probably Dice wanted at the start of the season. Um, but that I think moving forward, you know, I, I don't think he's he's going to be be in the mindset to change Keane for Brantwaite. I think that would be obviously ridiculous. But you know, that partnership between Tarkovsky and Brantwaite has got to be got to be the one moving forward. Really, is it encouraging that we've got three or four players at the moment who you could argue could be the first name on the team sheet? Yeah, yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, UCL. Yeah, all down the down the middle. Yeah, so that's down the middle that people talk about. A massive. Well, well, when you think when when you think obviously you know Brownfield's signed a new contract. There's almost a spine now emerging that's one for the future, isn't it? Because you know Calvert Lewin is still only quite young. Yeah, (laughs) I know he's been around for a long time and you know feels like he's been forever, but he's still in his twenties. You know, James Garner's twenty-one, Brownfield's twenty-one. Pickford's obviously going to be around for the foreseeable because he's had his future at the club, and let's say he's a goalkeeper and now can play till the thirty-five quite comfortably. So it, it's, it is encouraging when you think of the span of the team now, the age that it is. It's also got the ability to get better yeah. and improve, and, and, and them lads have got the ability to, to improve. But it's quite interesting, Brownfield, because for me, I actually think his toughest task assignment come last week against Newton, when he was marking the Morris. Yeah, yeah. I thought he gave, he gave him his toughest after yeah. he's had so far this season, because yeah. he was a big, strong lad, and he was awkward, and he put himself about. And it's, I think it's interesting in that sense that he kind of passed that. Test with flight colours that. You, you, yeah, you, you, it was you, tough. It was tough for him, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah. you think of who he's played against. Yeah, you know, you wouldn't have predicted the lad from Luton giving him the, the toughest. Yeah, task. yeah, part of his learning experiences. And what he was saying there about like, and the, you, you put long odds, wouldn't you? Really for Dice at any stage where his team's being really, you know, being quite weak defensively. But the same time, he's got the second highest shot number of shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so think what, and also, also the, a, a statistical one of the nicest teams to play against in terms oh, yeah. of that thousand yellow cards, which is yeah. thing that you, you perhaps wouldn't associate with a nice team, would you? Yeah, completely the opposite of what I thought Tice was going to be. Yeah. Gents, just one more before we do finish. Before the game on Saturday, an open letter from Josh Wander was, was released to Everton supporters, in which he you know, outlined his, his vision for the club and, and, and form performance, what was going on. Gav, the latest indication that 7-7 believe that they're going to be the new owners of football club? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting about out on the on the club's website as well, which um, which indicates, you know, a certain direction. And we can, we can I mean there was someone there, I'm not sure whether I was it mentioned Alan Ball to be fair, but that's at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'd I'd have swear that. But <laughs> and, and 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 if if you've been kind to say like, you know, at a time when people say, you know, there's no communication. They are communicating, mm. so you can't, you can't, um, 
you know, you can't criticise them for that. Um, I'd, I'd query whether some of the football achievements mm. they said about, you know, there are you know our results or progress with with Genoa and Vasco da Gama and so on. I think that stand for themselves. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think perhaps, but you don't know, do you? Ultimately, um, it, that's like a lot of Everton fans, I'm a little bit concerned. Um, but you just got to see what how, how it plays out, and it, it maybe again we were talking before we came came on air. Maybe this indicates that maybe there's perhaps been conversations, and they know where the wind's blowing. On the on the the way the Premier League are going to look at this, and so con- consequently they feel confident about communicating with this at this stage, and we we'll just have to wait and see. Ian, Gavin, Sean, though, is the big thing in all this that it's direct communication to supporters because obviously, you know, the how we've obviously called this out quite a lot, but there's been a lack of communication from people at the top of Everton um, to supporters in, in terms of what's going on, what's happening. Obviously, Josh Wonder is officially nothing to do with Everton, but he could become the new owner. So is this a positive step in the sense of this is the start of what should happen if 7-7 do become the owners that they've got to be open and, and transparent to communicate to supporters? Yeah, obviously, I think so. I think, you know, since Mercedes taken over, it's something that we we haven't really had. And, you know, he's filtered his, his lines and his, his statements through Jim White and yeah, talks yeah, about yeah, sports yeah, yeah, and Sky. Yeah. So I think that's been one thing that's been very frustrating um, for Everton fans, I think. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, the takeover is obviously, if it does happen, it's still going to take a couple of months, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I think from the outside looking in, I think people within the club are embracing it or they've been told to embrace it at the end of the day. I didn't read the letter, so don't don't ask me about it. I will read it when we, when we get out of uh, recording this show. But um, I think it's something that, you know, it looks like this takeover has probably got to go through, whether it's cautious yeah. or not, because... It does Machiri want to continue to fund the club? But I, I don't know. It, from the, again, from the outside looking in, it looks like he doesn't, no. um, and it doesn't look or seem to be any other option available for no. the club. Administration has been, you know, tentatively talked about. It's it's not a good word. Centered around football clubs. Um, that's something that we don't want to um, entertain at all. Something that we don't want to do. You know, you're looking at like points deductions probably, if that's the case. Um, so. I'm, I'm, I'm with Gaz, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned because you don't know, you know, they own all these football clubs or they've got shares, uh, percentages in all these football clubs who, um, you know, aren't necessarily doing fantastic in, the, in their own right. Um, but it's probably looking like something that we need to get this stadium over the line as well. Yeah. Just, I think what will be interesting, number 777, is as we record today, Monday, Monday morning, the fan, Everton Fan Advisory Board put out a, a statement which they included the 14 questions that they've collaborated after meeting with supporters groups and inviting yeah. supporters group feedback. And there's, I think, some pretty challenging questions that, you know, have been put to 7-7, but which Everton fans deserve to know the answer to. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens next with that now, because if 7-7-7 respond directly to each question or whether they, you know, release some sort of statement response. But there's some yeah. very interesting questions that have been put forward to 7-7-7 on behalf of supporters by the Fan Advisory Board. And I think be achieved as open as transparent under the, the pressure of responding to questions than releasing open letters, should we say? Yeah, it is. I, mean, I like that one about uh, it was in the disaster I seen about the would money from 
brand new horse here. We had the concert there. Would that go to Everton or would that go to 777? You know, because that's one of the football. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was because that's one of the things about brand new. I'll be able to have like concerts here and all that type of well, stuff. There's going to be Euro games, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, well, where does, where does that money go? Does that go to the, the, the football group or that company yeah. or does it go directly to Everton? I thought that was a, um, a very interesting question. That, and that's the problem you've got about multicultural. Club ownership, isn't it? That you know, at the same time, the bits he said in the letter, didn't he? Gives it, you know, a, a chance to sort of tap into the resources and expertise elsewhere within the group. But it also means sometimes, actually, some of the some of the money gets potentially filtered for the group. It's not directly related to Everton. So that be that being interesting. It's probably test, a question yeah. that would be put forward to any owner of a football club, though, as well, isn't it? I think it's a it's a very good question. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, think Mashiri, you know, if, if Mashiri was going to stay, I think. You know, would Mashiri yeah. profit from, from that and Everton wouldn't? That, yeah. I think it's yeah. out there for everyone. I must admit, I mean, you know, as, as we speak now, that the 14 questions that have been put forward by the Fan Advisory Board, I think are really, really good. Yeah. I think there's some really interesting ones there that I think we're all keen to know and understand. Obviously, as, as journalists, as fans, as, 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 as you know, anyone who's connected to the football club, keen to understand, I think they, they certainly deserve, you know, praise because I know they come under a lot of pressure, the Fan Advisory Board, but... Yeah. What they have produced to put forward to seven seven, I think, yeah. it really, really good. And hopefully, you know, them and and, and you know, the supporters and, yeah. and ourselves get the insight that we, we we want and the responses that we want. Because yeah. I think there was a clear indication in terms of what you said there, Gav, about what seven seven's plans are actually actually are moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gents, thank you very much for joining me. We will be back on Friday to to shoot the fast a little bit more as we enter the international break. But for today, thank you very much for joining me. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 